This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Oh, what are we going to begin with today? Do you usually Amazon well, or Apple or something with you with A, which is what very good. No, at the it's flying cars. Oh, flying, no. a we, new flying we, car. We we talk about this regularly because, uh, as you we point do. out, we all thought when we were kids we would have flying cars long before now, but they never turn well, up. Well, this is a flying car that does begin with A. It's made by Aleph Aeronautics, so mm. that fits in with uh, what you were hoping for at the beginning of this week, right? The difference with this flying car is they are taking orders for it now and say wow. they're going to deliver it late in 2025. Mm. That's exciting. Well, it is Let exciting, me... though. There are quite a lot of crowdfunding things where they're taking orders for things, but it doesn't mean they actually do turn up. Well, this one, they reckon, they reckon they're actually going to do it. I mean, they always say that, though, don't they? Yeah. So this is – it's a street-legal car, which means you can drive it on the road. And indeed, mm. it looks um, just like a – a, quite a funky looking sports car actually it's very right. pretty right. seen from the side it has solid sides as cars do but the bonnet and the boot are mesh they are transparent mesh so you can you mm. can see through it because underneath the mesh are the rotors and the cockpit as they call it being part car part plane mm. is supported on a gimbal inside that that mesh so it, it looks like a bubble inside a car that's been made of chicken wire with someone stuck solid sides and it does start to make more sense because the um the motors the rotors give it vertical lift vtol vertical takeoff and landing mm. when it's up in the air the cabin rotates 90 degrees to face the side of the car the cockpit right. in other words yes the car then rotates 90 degrees so that the two sides become aerofoiled. Effectively, it turns into a biplane. Can you visualize that? I'm having trouble. Okay. Imagine the car made of chicken wire. Yes. With the sides being solid. Yes. It goes up in the air. It turns yes. 90 degrees, oh, I degrees see. Oh, along yes. its okay. long axis. Yes. And it becomes a biplane. Uh, it is absolutely uh, ingenious. It's battery powered with a range of 200 miles on the road and 110 miles in the air. Hmm. So it's it's not bad. You'd have to sort of settle down and recharge it every now and again. Uh, the problem with such a car is, of course, the issue of homologation. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that. Okay, what's homologation? Well, we talked about homologation on this very show back in 2018. Oh, I you expect me to remember. I thought you'd be a word you would add to your lexicon and use it daily. Homologation is the process of getting official agreement for something. In this case, to drive a car on the road, you need to satisfy all kinds of requirements. Hmm. In It has to have you know, seat belts and, and all kinds of safety features built into it. And obviously, this doesn't have any of those. It has the bare minimum 
mm -hmm. has lights and possibly even indicators. Um, so it is uh, impossible to get the homologation. So therefore, they're designating it as a low-speed vehicle, which puts it in the same category as a golf cart, which means it has right. a maximum speed of 25 miles an hour on, on the road. So it doesn't go very fast. But the idea is you'd only be driving it to your local helipad or eventually just your local open space. Yes. So yes. then it can, it can take off. Uh, there are... Um, that's not a sore drawback, is that because the cockpit rotates on a gimbal, you need to open two doors to get into the car. One in the side, which becomes the wing, and then another door in the cockpit itself. So you can clamber in that way. Right. What do you think? Well, okay. And how pricey is it going to be? Well, $300,000. So it's don't not... Actually, don't actually know what a plane costs these days. Used More to be the same that, as a well, yeah. Small planes used to be about the same price as a sort of second-hand BMW. I remember being told once. Now, yeah. This sounds a bit more than a second-hand BMW. It's a bit more yes, than intriguing. that. But it's new. They reckon they'll be able to drive it with a drone license, which is just a written test. Although, of course, it remains to be seen if that is still the case when they're up there and flying around. But what a fun idea this is! Yes, it one would have thought absolutely that the hom homologation involved in air. Oh vehicles is rather more tough than involved in road you'd vehicles. think so you'd think so Not well quite believe if i were the air ministry or whatever the air ministry now are the C caa aren't they um i would rather imagine that they'd be um a bit tough on the idea of people with drone licenses suddenly buzzing through the air well i think they're pitching it as a drone in the air and a golf cart on the ground yeah, that so, doesn't sound quite as attractive. Knows? Flying car sounds better than a drone in <laughs> the does. air, a golf cart on the ground. Well, watch this space, I suppose, they say. Yes, indeed. And where is this being made? Let us, um, Aleph Aeronautics. Uh, I imagine that they're in Israel with a name like Aleph. Aleph, oh. wouldn't you think? Oh, I suppose, yes, that's always possible. Yes, I had no idea. Right, okay. Right. Yes. So moving on, it's 21 years since the birth of the iPod. The iPod has come of age just in time it? for it to not exist anymore. Yes, 21 oh. years. Isn't that extraordinary? And it's had a long and interesting history. Mm. Uh, one of the worst things to happen to the iPod, in view of many people, was uh, back in 2014 when Apple decided to give away the latest U2 album mm. to all iTunes users. Whether oh, or not they are it, I don't remember getting it. They wanted it. No, I got it. Yeah, the okay. trouble is, once you've got it, it's very hard to get rid of it. And Apple had to bring out a special tool to allow people to delete it. <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't well received. One one person on social media said, "I came down this morning and found Bono in my kitchen, wearing my dressing gown, drinking my coffee." Another person said that the free U two album is overpriced. <laughs> there we go. But well, I'm it sure turns they out, according fans. to um, they must, according to an interview that Bono gave in the Guardian this week, it was entirely his idea. He talked Steve Jobs into it, and when Steve Jobs said, "You're going to give it away, you know, without people paying for it," and Bono said, "No, you're going to pay for it." Oh, well, I have. And got. I'm he... just looking. In, I'm just looking in iTunes. It's still there. Yeah. How do I get rid of it? Well, it's it's available for download anyway. It's not actually on my computer. Yeah. It is if you want it. If it's there, it is a YouTube as well. Right. So blame Bono for it. I will. I will. You Can we that. blame him for anything else? Oh, almost everything, I think. But uh, just one, at a, one per week, maybe. <laughs> okay. 
Right. Yes, I'll remember that next week. Yes. Uh, shall we have a little jingle? We haven't had one yet. Oh, well, that's true. I suppose if you want one, how can I possibly refuse? <laughs> So, I like the way that one's away, don't you? I mean, I like that. Yes. Anyway, on now to Lenovo. You, you did actually makers... write it, though. Yes, so... yes, yes. 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 <laughs> Lenovo, makers of interesting uh, technology. We uh, we talked recently about a uh, curious Lenovo folding laptop mm. where the screen folds. They've now come up with an expanding phone. And the phone has a display which wraps around the bottom of the phone, and it's uh, it's rollable. So it's a really small phone, small enough to fit in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And when you want it to enlarge, you click a little button on the side. The bottom of the phone slides out, and the display sort of rolls around with it. And all the all the screen furniture rearranges itself as it does so in a very slick and entertaining way. It looks absolutely lovely, if not a little bizarre. They've also uh, demoed a an expanding laptop, which is a standard sort of eleven inch laptop, mm. also with this flexible rolling display. And you press a button there, and it goes up to nearly twice the height. So if you're oh. doing something with the long, complicated spreadsheets, for example, mm. or if you want to watch a movie at the top while doing a spreadsheet at the bottom, you can now do that. I say now, of course, you can't now do that because they haven't actually made it yet. These are still prototypes. Uh, they were demonstrated by a man called Luca Rossi, who is the president of their intelligent devices group. Now, we've talked about job titles you can tell people at cocktail parties, but mm. saying that you're the president of an intelligent devices group, I think, comes pretty near the top of my list. Yes, yes. Do you want to do that? I'd certainly want to do that. Um, okay. Um, yes, well, we'll have to wait to see if they actually turn up, won't we? We'll have to wait and see if they turn up and how much they cost and whether they actually work. Yes. I mean, they're unlikely to explode because they're not made by Samsung, but then you never <laughs> know what these kind of things. They haven't had anything explode for a while, have they? <laughs> not not for several days, no. <laughs> they're, doing, they're doing quite well. I blame Bono. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think you should. On now to uh, stamps. Mm-hmm. Of course, new stamps will feature the head of King Charles. It still seems very odd to be saying that, but yes. anyway, on the head of King Charles. And the Royal Mail this week announced that you now have a hundred days to use up yes. your old stamps. Yes, That's I've already hundred. I've already changed changed mine. Mm. Um instance, I had to send back nearly five hundred stamps every time oh. I added up the value. It's such a long winded process. Every time I added it up, I got a different answer. In the end, they said I got the wrong answer and gave me back less money than I thought they were going to give me. But I've got Why no do way you of have 500 it. stamps? Um, well, I do. Just lots of things. Yeah. Sending out lots of different values. Because if you send anything that's not conventional... 500 stamps? 482, I think. Something like that. Yes. That's hundreds of pounds worth of stamps. Well, it wasn't hundreds of pounds in the end. It was about 80 pounds. I thought it was 120 well, I got oh. my eighty pounds back, so now I've got all the new barcoded ones instead. Hang on, you got eighty pounds back for five hundred stamps. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a very good deal at all because a, a first class stamp is now. Yeah, about well, they weren't all p, first class. There were lots of one penny and two penny stamps, and oh, five I see. and others trying oh, right. to. So, so that when you wanted to send something to a country that wasn't the UK, and they they said it was a really peculiar amount. You were able to make it up with all the one p and two p's. Oh, I see. I thought you meant a hundred, the five hundred first class stamps in the bottom drawer no. somewhere. No, no, no. 
Oh, I see why now you have such difficulty adding up the value. Well, so the thing about these stamps is that uh, the new ones have barcodes. I've yes, not seen this. They look very ugly. Yet, do well, they? You, you keep talking and I'll show you. Okay. okay. Keep going. Well, they claim that in the future, whatever they mean by the future, then uh, people receiving letters with these stamps will be able to watch videos and read messages from the sender by scanning the barcode. Now, I'd have thought if you received a letter from someone with a stamp on it and you wanted to read a message from the sender, the best thing to do would be to open the envelope and read the letter inside it, which would give you a message from the sender that is, I would say, more guaranteed to work than well, any kind of barcode that might be printed on the you stamp. Would, you would think so, wouldn't you? But they obviously oh, think they that's what people need of these things, which, of course, are bigger than the ones before, substantially bigger than the ones before. They're about 50% wider, aren't they? Yes, and the actual stamps hmm. are bigger as well. I mean, so the stamp is oh, bigger, they? and then it's yeah. got the little bit on the end. Yes, substantially bigger. I just well, said. the stamp and has to be bigger barcode. because the barcode has to be bigger. Yes. Well, the good news is, uh, two bits of good news here. One is that if you have uh, Christmas stamps or special uh, issue stamps, you can carry on using those because they are not covered by this rule. Yes. The other bit of good news, as you said, you can send up to £200 worth of old stamps back to them, and they will reimburse you for them. And they pay the postage both ways. I say pay the postage. They don't charge you yes. postage both no. ways, which I think no. is quite a good thing. Yeah, believe me, if you've got as many stamps as I have, it took a long, long time. I don't think there's much clamouring from the public for barcoded stamps that will have lots of exciting messages. No, no, it's to, it's to increase operational efficiency. Oh, yes, because, of course, as we know, the post office gets more operationally efficient every single year. Uh, yes, indeed. It is. And then you read an own Conan Doyle book when, you know, people got mailed the afternoon they sent it. And you yes. think, well, oh, oh, the great benefits of operational efficiency. Yes, Time but Conan, for us to have Conan a... Doyle didn't have email. Well, that's true. That is true. Mm. He didn't need it. <laughs> didn't need it messages got there almost as quickly using the post office right let's have a quick break hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose talking to Steve Kaplan about gadgets and gizmos. And just remember, if anything's going wrong today, just blame Bono. Exactly. Um, and let's move on to the Earth's magnetic field. In more particularly, what does it sound like? Well, of course, it doesn't sound like anything. But uh, some boffins, I call them boffins, they're <laughs> scientists. Let's give them, I mean, let's not get tabloid here. Some scientists at the Technical University of Denmark yes. have teamed up with a group of musicians to translate the shape of the waveform of the Earth's magnetic field into sound. Should we have a little listen to it? Yes, I'm a little apprehensive, but uh, let's have a go. So it sounds like a trolley full of wood wheels around. It does, but then the sound does change as you go on. Um, it sounds like a little thump we just heard there. Yes. And um, it's a, it's, this is made, the earth magnetic field is produced by molten iron, 
in the outer core. Yeah. Uh, he has some chains, chain-like effects going on there, and it swirls around, and this creates an electrical current which produces the electromagnetic field around the Earth. And the, the European Space Agency, uh, that makes a dynamic bubble that protects us from cosmic radiation. Right, okay. What do you think? This is produced by swarm satellites, which have been measuring the uh, Earth's magnetic field since 2013. And if you're lucky enough to live in Copenhagen, you have until the 30th of October, only a few days away, unless you're listening to the repeat, in which case, sorry, you've missed it. Uh, you can uh, go downtown in Copenhagen and you can hear this being played many times on a loop via 30 loudspeakers, each of them representing a different position on the Earth's surface. You sound as though you'd quite like to go and do that. I can I think of nothing less interesting. Okay. It sounds splendid. Okay, I'll take your word for it. We're getting nice sounds there. I'm going to stop this now. No, it's... it's oh, okay, had enough. Freaking me out, I think, yes. Let's instead then move on to our crowdfunding time of the week. Are your finger poised on the button? It is. Here we go. And introducing the Pixel which is a curious name because, of course, the Google Pixel is a well-known phone and Pixel is a well-known computer thing. So to call yes. any device a Pixel is uh, is a strange name for it. It is the world's first, but then it's on Kickstarter, so of course it's the world's first. It yes. is the world's first Lego-compatible mechanical keyboard. Okay, you want a mechanical keyboard that is compatible with Lego? Why would you well, want that? It seems that a lot of people do, rather surprisingly. So it's a, it's a mechanical keyboard for your computer, mm. and the surface of it is covered in Lego bubbles, or whatever they're called. It's probably a nodules. It's probably a technical I term. I don't know. There'll be a Lego term for it, but I don't know what they are, yes. And so you can stick things onto your keyboard. You can even build little houses on your keyboard. Mm. You can take out the individual keys and replace them with Lego pieces. So you could, for example, uh, replace the escape key on your keyboard with a little fireman, and you could just tap him, and he would right. do the business for you. Oh, you don't sound very impressed. Um, well... No, okay, fair enough. I can't think of it. You know. <laughs> uh, keyboard seems to work pretty well as it is. I suppose, can you change your QWERTY keyboard into one of the other sort of supposedly easier-to-operate keyboards? Well, they're not easier to operate. The only people who say they're easier to operate are the people who make them. yes. But it turns out they're not. Um, this is a $239, which is just over £200. Mm. It's an absurd exchange rate. And you have until the 9th of December, if you want one. £318,000 they've raised so far. How about that? Wow. How much do they need? Well, they claimed they need something like 48000 so they have well exceeded their oh, target. Wow. But people always grossly underestimate their targets on uh, on Kickstarter. Okay. Well, and are you it's getting one? Really good? No, of course not. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what an absurd <laughs> thing. It's a mechanical keyboard. And the thing about mechanical keyboards is that they're, of course, harder to type on, which is why people invented the sort of butterfly key keyboards that we have today, because they are they are much quicker to Mechanical play. keyboards were pretty much like typewriters, except the keys didn't get caught up in each other if you type too fast. Uh, no, neither did they come off and get replaced by the odd numbered Lego pieces. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> good luck to them. Good luck indeed, yes. I think so, exactly. Um, let's have another one of these. Ooh. 
leaves on the line. It's something that every commuter hears with a state of dismay, wouldn't you say? Leaves on the line, trains cancelled. The trouble with leaves on the line is it makes the the line slippery, a bit like black ice on a a motorway, Mm, which means that it's hard for the trains to stop and they have to accelerate much more slowly so they don't skid. And that means that there are delays because the leaves do get in the way. Well, it could be that leaves on the line will be a thing of the past in the future. (laughs) <laughs> if you couldn't get your head around <laughs> Right, yes, yes, okay. Uh, thanks to uh, the Sand Rover. The Sand Rover, oh, as hmm. you might interpret, is a Land Rover, and it's been modified by Network Rail to go on train lines, to actually ride on the rails. Hmm. It has little sort of miniature train wheel that goes in front of the tyre. still got tyres, so it can go on the, on the road as well. And they clip onto the rails and they... Well, they say they they hold it on. But the thing is, there are these train wheel type things at the front, but not at the back. And since the tyres at the back are just perched on these rather narrow rails, you wonder why they don't slip off. But apparently they don't slip off. So this Land Rover or the Sand Rover goes along the track. It has wire brushes that sweep away the leaves. It then sprays the track with what they call the citrus treatment, which is (laughs) lemon. So you can now have lemon-scented so, train lines. So, you know, uh, yes, Lou Fresh train lines. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and as it goes along, having broken up the leaves with the citrus treatment and swept any leaves away with the wire brushes, it then coats the rails with dry sand, hence, uh, hence the name Sand Rover, mm-hmm. which gives more grip to the trains. And they've been trying it in a branch line in Devon since 2020, where it has shown an 80% reduction in delays, which they're terribly proud of. And so they're now going to roll it out in more places, roll it out literally, actually, in oh, this case. Excellent. You can't thought they need quite a lot of sand rovers to go around the whole network. They only need yes. them for, for a few weeks a year, don't they? They do. Mm. And probably quite a lot of sand as well. But of course, you could drive them on the roads rather rather faster than the flying car we heard. Of. If they, <laughs> yes, they yes. could drive them from place to place. So it's better than the golf cars. Yes, I suppose that's true. Yes. Oh well, I'm, I can't help feeling that I've seen umpteen stories over the years of of um, the railways actually finding some solution to leaves on the line in autumn and never actually managing to do anything to make it any well, better. I, I mean. We've seen all seen pictures of the trains that they used to have in the in the Midwest with uh, cow catchers on the front yes, to stop. Yes. Well, <laughs> surely it's not beyond them to just fit brushes to the front of the train to sweep the leaves away. Yeah, if it's wet, they might not actually sweep away. Have you tried sweeping leaves when it's wet? Um, I have no. actually. Yes, yeah. not that easy. Sometimes, if you're on a okay. smooth, shiny surface, I don't know. So on the you would think they the must train... have tried all these things. I mean, you know, we're laughing at them, but you think there are probably people whose very job it is to try and develop something. You would think they would have thought of that. You would. Okay. How about they make an attachment to go on the front of the train that starts off with two hair dryers that dry the leaves. Yes. Behind <laughs> that, a brushes that sweep them away. Behind that are two cans of uh, loo cleaner that spray lemon yeah, fresh yes. scent onto them. Yes, and, and a bit they... of sand just about it. Well, I think you better get in touch with Network Rail. It may be that the Land Rover has to go quite slowly in order to do this. And the trains, of course, go, hopefully, rather faster than the, than your average. You'd hope so. I mean, well, at, least, at least they haven't yet come up with an idea of de- deforestation 
and just taking napalmed or something to all the trees along the side of the line. But at least they haven't done that. That would be a bad thing, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. I think we can agree. Okay. So we've probably got time for something else, I imagine. Uh, well, let's move on to the news that this week saw the first land in the UK bought via a non-fungible token or Ooh. NFT. It is um, a 2.6 thousand square metre strip of land on the coast of Milford-on-Sea, mm. which is in Hampshire, uh, which has just been sold for one and a quarter million pounds. Uh, I don't know what anyone's going to do with it. I mean, uh, 2.6 thousand square metres sounds like quite a lot in house terms, not all that much in land terms, especially if it's a strip of land that presumably you can't actually build anything on because it's on the coast. Anyway, the point is, that this company tokenized properties who have sold it as an NFT mm. say that the NFT means that there's much less bureaucracy because the NFT is itself your right of ownership, your deed of yes. property of <clears throat> the land. And they say it'll be a big help for overseas buyers who can just buy their NFT with their Bitcoin from California mm. or where happen to be probably California without ever having to actually visit the land that they've bought. So I don't know why they're doing it, really. Probably it's just a, a trick to get people to talk about it on uh, on radio shows. But well, on the... intriguing. It does actually sound a reasonable use of NFTs, unlike many of the other ones that you've discussed over the past few years. There have been some cool ones. Ludicrous, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right, yeah. well, that's it for this week, I'm afraid. We've got to put an end to it. It's... Uh, no more Gadget Gizmos today, but uh, there will be more next week. And, of course, you listen to lots and lots of other episodes of Gadget Gizmos if you just go to your favourite podcast provider and type in the search word Harken, but that's H-R-K-N, without any of the vowels. And that way you should find it all. But my thanks to Steve Kaplan for this week. We'll be back with more next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.